0: What is going on, everybody? It's your boy, Spencer, coming at you again with another episode of the Delivering Sports Show. Uh, We have a little bit of a special episode today. I brought on a good friend of mine to talk about one of the biggest cultural phenomenons in sports history. But uh, before I get to that, uh, welcome to the show, Joe.
1: Hello, guys. How are you doing? I'm Joe
0: uh joe and i met in our minor that we take together which is chinese i took it in high school and i liked it so i had to do the language requirement anyways for college but joe and i ended up sticking it out together because we liked it so much and uh he finished his minor this semester and i'm finishing mine next but which is where this is all related to (laughs) in any case joe has a project would you like to introduce it for a quick second joe
1: Absolutely. I'm, uh, for my Chinese pop culture class, I choose to do a segment on the Lacinity himself, Jeremy Lin. Um, as many of you know, that he caught the sports world uh, by surprise when he went on a tear, when he had a 10-day contract with the Knicks. Uh, what many people does not know that he was almost homeless. He was sleeping on his brother's couch at the time. Uh, when he was with the Knicks and you know what the uh, difference between being famous and not is literally the 10 day contract for him. So that was pretty cool. And being the first Taiwanese player to make it big to the NBA, that was really meaningful.
0: I didn't, you know, I didn't even know he was from Taiwan, to be honest with you. Where did he, do you know what city he's from?
1: Uh, I believe let me check it out here. He grew up in Southern California. Obviously, he was from uh, Torrance, California. Sorry, I misspoke. He was a uh, he was he was born and raised in Southern California in Torrance, but his parents are from Taiwan. Um, he is uh, what we consider ABC American-born Chinese. Uh, he grew up in America, and later on, his parents moved to Palo Alto, which is in the Bay Area, and where he was a uh, high school player of the year for Palo Alto High School up there.
0: Uh, okay, so w- we can kind of talk a b- little more about that. He went to college at uh, Harvard? Am I wrong about that? What, where did he go to he college? He was
1: a crimson. He went to uh, a college, uh university in Harvard. Um, many of the people snubbed their nose at Jeremy Lin when it comes to basketball skills. Um, I talked to... a couple of the past sports uh, figures pretty big ones too I won't mention any names but they always said that what's so special about Jeremy Lynn there are people who does that day in day out and my rebuttal has always been not every one of those guys have an economics degree from Harvard and carry a 4.2 GPA in high school and has a really really good SAT score so that's what differentiate from Jeremy Lynn rest of the sports world.
0: What uh, what was the scouting on Jeremy Lin? Because he wasn't drafted, I'm assuming. So
1: He was an undrafted free agent in his hometown. Well, second hometown, uh, Golden State Warriors, actually picked him up. And after an unsuccessful stink, they released him. And he went over to the system with the Houston Rockets. And he jumped around, let's see. So, 2010, he was with the Warriors. 2011, went to the Knicks for a brief 35 games.
0: Uh, well, I, I can touch around stats, too, before we go to his NBA career. Just in case yeah. you guys are wondering, uh, he averaged 12 points in – 12.9 points in college, although that number is a slightly skewed, I'll say, because in his last two years, he averaged 17.8 points per game and 16.4, so a massive improvement. To go along with 2.4 steals in both of those years, uh, averaged over a block in his senior season – uh, the only big problem in his game, which is pro- maybe a big reason why he wasn't uh, drafted, the three point one turnovers to four point five assists, so um, a really bad turnover to assist ratio, uh, along with a average, you know, thirty four point one percent three point percentage. Um, right. So it's just one of those guys you hear about, especially in the Mountain West, for all my Las Vegas listeners, guys who just have decent stats, but uh, have to fight their way to make a name for themselves, certainly, because while those numbers are decent enough to be looked at, it's all about what you do with them once you get your chance in the league, you know.
1: Absolutely. Uh, And here's a little stat on his uh, uh, academic career. Uh, Jeremy Lynn had a 1428 on his SATs. Uh, that's when was out of 1600, um, 4.2 GPA. He had any pick of the litter in the professional sports world. the, The only a few big names, only Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, scored a higher SAT at 1580. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably one of the smartest guys in the NFL. Um, yeah, he. Fitzpatrick is see. a Harvard man himself. Uh, he went to Harvard.
0: He sure did. Yeah. That's oh wow! See that's. Him.
1: That's awesome. That's uh, that's two crimson on the list.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, getting in a little bit to Jeremy Lin's career, um, I I do want to talk about the start of this whole thing, and the first question I'll pose to you, Joe, is. Does he become as popular if he is, if he's not on the Knicks? What if he did the same thing in Charlotte
1: to start his career? I I I know he ended up
0: playing there, but.
1: I personally think um, with the Lincenity, it's had a lot to do with luck as well. Uh, Chauncey Billup was cut right before that. Uh, Chauncey was a proven all-star point guard as well as NBA champion. Um, But injury, he was injury pro. And Carmelo Anthony went down. So Knicks were looking to revamp the offense, uh, which Jeremy Lin fits that criteria. He's a pass first, score second point guard. And it just so happened they had a lot of hungry young player along with old player like Iman uh, Shumpert, J.R. Smith, uh, as well as Tyson Chandler. And those guys were receiving the ball particularly well from Jeremy Lin. And actually made the basketball more fun. It was more like, like what you play in junior high and high school. Go down the lane, toss the ball up, somebody dunk the ball. And during that ten day period, the Knicks were playing very unselfish basketball. And I believe that Jeremy Lin just got very lucky that he was in a system where Mike and Tony actually trusted him with the offense.
0: Yeah, and I. What I was trying, what I was uh, getting towards a little too, is that the New York City juice itself, I think, uh, helped make this as big as it was. I just the media coverage with New York is tenfold what you would have in smaller market teams. So, um, I think, I think he would have, if he played the same way and he had the same kind of stats, I think he would have gotten himself an NBA contract. But the popularity and the and the phenom of Lynn's sanity really came from the fact that he played in the biggest basketball city in the world.
1: He, he did. You're absolutely right on that because New York is a tough city. I mean, uh, like Fred Sinatra says, if you make it here, you can make it anywhere. A um, couple of off-comment, off-colored um, uh, scenario, Rudolph Giuliani took down one of the biggest mob uh, figures in the world, John Gotti and the Gambino family. It boosted up his career as a mayor. Uh, Derek Jeter, always been a winner with the Yankees. Uh, till now Aaron Judge, he is one of the biggest uh, names on the Yankees roster. And the Knicks were the lovable losers. They were always there. But unfortunately, in the 90s, they were always had to go through Michael Jordan. And during that time, when Jeremy Lin was on the team, uh, their record was less than stellar. They were having trouble jump-starting their their fan base and everything. So the Knicks fan were honestly one of the most brutals fans in the world. They'll tell you straight up that you suck, and but not so many nice words. So I think Lin's playing style along with the rest of the team made basketball more fun, and the fan actually appreciate that. They want to see him try hard instead of just roll over and give up that's all
0: yeah and i I think one of the the things that make this makes this thing so much more miraculous is we're talking about a time in basketball where it was called the d league at the time if you guys even remember that for a lot of you because it's been the g league for i think four years now i don't know maybe but uh in any case the d league was looked at as like a very unappealing side of basketball and now it's like a legitimate resource for guys that are called up constantly to fill to fill roles so the idea of a guy being called up from the D league like teams barely had affiliates in that in any case so no one ever heard of him so it was really a spectacular like an off chance that he wouldn't get a, an opportunity to be a part of the team because like i said you know we it's not it wasn't even considered a developmental league before it was literally just like hey these are some guys who aren't good enough to be in the nba who are just playing in this other league yeah um,
1: absolutely um, i, I yeah. totally agree with you on that
0: so moving into the uh, um just for one second um let's just talk about like the idea of Jeremy Lin in the league, he starts to do this game. When, when do you remember it became really big? Like, was it after his first game or I guess probably after the third, I would suppose, where everyone kind of started taking it seriously.
1: Um, I, I started noticing it when uh, he torched uh, Darren Williams and uh, Brooklyn Nets uh, with, with a very, very uh, good game that he had. It wasn't much about his scoring, but it was about his passing ability. And what I started noticing, the biggest game of his career is when he torched uh, the back then uh, Laker point uh, point guard shooting guard, Derek uh, Fisher. And he had 38 points uh, against Kobe. Kobe guarded him a few times, and Derek Fisher was predominantly on him. And he torched the Lakers completely. He was going in. He was... Hitting shots outside. He was driving in, dishing out, throwing alley-oops. Like I said, basically playground basketball. He just went out there. He had nothing to lose. He's a guy who's got a 10-day contract. These guys are established veterans. And the worst thing he can do is score zero points. And he went out with the mentality to say he's going to do it. Then he did it. So that's when I started noticing that he was here to stay.
0: Yeah, so... Uh, Really quickly, I'll just run you guys the stats uh, of the kind of all the craziness and 136 points were scored by Lynn in his first five starts. That was the most of any player since the NBA and ABA merged in 1976, which is pretty impressive. He averaged 26.8 points per game. Uh, The only downside, I suppose, to this was uh, 30 turnovers in his first five starts, which is also a record. Uh, But in any case when things started getting serious and, you know, there was a lot of, I think there was a lot of, uh, you know, tug backwards, people saying like, this is a fluke, it's overrated. And uh, it seemed like he kind of got stereotyped and maybe even discriminated against during this craziness.
1: Um, that You're absolutely right on that. Um, Asians has been dealing with systematic uh, microaggression, racism, uh, since the beginning of time. Uh, what people don't realize is that, um, Asians were brought over as not, not technically slaves, but they were a workforce that worked for cheap during the, uh, the railroad era, the gold rush era. Um, a lot of, uh, Asian hating sentiment was born at this point. If any of you seen that movie tombstone, there was an anti-Asian league. Um, they mentioned that very various times. And that was one of the things that uh, most people do not understand, and they kind of forgot over time. When you think of slavery, you think of the South with the cotton fields. Um, so, what Jeremy Lin, as as an Asian American, and particularly carrying a really, really good GPA, as long as as well as a SAT score, is that there's certain stereotype that Asian fits in, and most of the people automatically think. Asians are supposed to be anywhere around 5'9 to 5'11, six foot. Uh, Jeremy Lin, I believe he stands at 6'3, uh, 200 pounds. And like myself, I'm a Taiwanese born uh, uh, Chinese. I am 6'4 and I'm 270 pounds. So it's not all of us are short, it's just the perception of that. And that gives people the stereotype. And he was he was a high-value journeyman. That's what I would classify him as. Because if there's a major trade happening, his name is always included in it. He's got value. He's got marketing value. Because at one point in time, his jersey from uh, February and March when he went through the incentive era, it was the best-selling jersey in the NBA. Uh everybody supported him, and those people who hated him couldn't help but love him because he just went out there and played a game. So he's been dealing with the, the the racism for a long time. And some of the big, big, big name NBA players were actually uh scuffed at his success. They were kind of like, you know what, he'll fade out. And whether he fade out or not, it's none of anybody's problem. He runs his own course. And obviously, he's proven that he's here to stay after he signed a two-term two uh, $35 million, $30 million contract with the Houston Rockets and Charlotte Hornets. I mean, he, he also won a championship with the 2019 Raptors. So he solidified his, his name as part of the NBA uh, uh, legacy. And also that the Knicks thought about him so much during the pandemic They ran the Lincenity special during February and March to commoderate his achievement the short time against the Knicks, uh, with the Knicks against all the teams. So I think that's pretty much like a first step towards progression, uh, breaking out of the racism trend. Yeah.
0: Wow. You know, you can speak probably personally on this. What do you think Jeremy Lin like represented for? I guess the Asian community, uh, just in general. I mean, maybe even the the D leaguers or the guys trying to make it. But more obviously, you know, he's become a cultural phenomenon in like China and stuff. So, like, what do you what did he represent to uh, everybody?
1: Well, as a basketball player, he represent that uh, hard work will pay off. He's not a slouch. He doesn't just yeah. give up. And when going gets tough, he he's in the gym practicing. Um, he was sl- staying with his uh, older brother, I believe his name Josh Joshua Lin, and he just stayed on the couch. Even though he was getting playing time with the Knicks, he was still sleeping on the couch. Uh, he took a very humble approach on that um, uh, during this whole whole era. And as a as an Asian, what he? teaches the rest, rest of the Asian American community or any immigrant community is that don't count us out you know like Asian has the tendency of making it the from the the people that in, uh, migrated down to Singapore and Malaysia it was a jungle back then and they made a city out of uh, out of those those country now it's a beautiful city like we seen in that movie crazy Rachel Asians those Chinese immigrants that went down there due to cultural differences and uh, uh, political uh, ideology um, prosecutions and they have made a name for themselves like my family that fled from China to go to Taiwan they went there with a shirt on their back and probably like with no money in their pockets so he had nothing to lose and he had a mentality of just go out there and do it Uh, As many of you saw the documentary Last Dance with Michael Jordan, something he said really stuck to me was that he said that people ask him about what what would you feel if you missed a shot? And he goes, why would I think about a shot I haven't taken yet? I'm going to make that 100% no matter what. It's in my mind. So that's a mentality that Jeremy Lin carried with him, but he just didn't have a successful career like Michael Jordan, but he was doing the same thing as Michael Jordan.
0: Yeah, so Uh, briefly i guess about the the end of linsanity and at least from what i'll tell you from what i remember uh, i think the end of linsanity was that uh, well his chance to have a game winning shot against toronto and he ended up airballing it very badly and they lost the game um did he what did he get signed for the rest of the season after that i honestly don't remember
1: what season was that do you remember
0: I was with the Knicks in probably,
1: oh man, let's see. If it was the Knicks, um, he did get signed for rest of the season, but unfortunately he tore his ACL. So he went on surgery uh, for rest of the season, the remainder of the season.
0: Yeah, he played 35 games in 2012, which was when all this craziness happened. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, since then, obviously, he went to Houston. Then he went to the Lakers first a short amount of time. Charlotte, I remember him playing for uh, down to looks like Brooklyn, and then Toronto, Atlanta, and then back to Toronto. Um, I, honestly, like you can say that's a like a journeyman's career but that's a lot longer of a career than most people have and i do think it goes beyond just insanity because i mean that's faded from reality in, in a sense you know i don't think teams are buying him for marketing purposes but uh his biggest downfall i suppose has been his injury prone uh career uh, which is i guess the story for a lot of guys so um it's not it's just not there's nothing really you can do about it you know
1: yeah, the the injury played a huge part out of it, but his biggest weakness, I believe, is his defense. Um, he, he he put on enough effort to harass the guys he's defending, but he was never a guy who's who's a playing shutdown defense. Um, when you think about shutdown defense, you think of Kobe, you think of uh, Michael Jordan, you think of Scottie Pippen, even. Dennis Rodman. Those guys play shutdown defense. Uh, Jeremy Lin's defense uh, pretty much is limited to the backcourt. Go for a steal, pickpocket somebody, or swipe the ball from behind. And he's not really a, a shot blocker at the rim. Um, he did take a few charges, which is sacrificing his body. His play, playing style uh, comparable to a one of my f- favorite tennis players is Michael Chang. Michael Chang was a shorter uh, tennis player pro. He he's at 5'10", 5'11". But if he was six foot four like rest of the field, Michael Chang would have been a great player. But he because he was short, he chose to play better defense. And unfortunately, in the NBA, where average height is probably like around six nine, six ten now, Jeremy Lin's pretty ineffective uh, guarding the front line, and he can't really keep up with rest of the backfield. So that's why. I think his biggest downfall is his defense.
0: Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, he had a devastating knee injury uh, with Toronto, and I don't think he played this season at all. But uh, uh, just looking towards the future, do you think anyone has filled his shoes in terms of representation since then? I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head.
1: For Asian-Americans?
0: Uh, the closest player I would say is Yudo Watanabe. He plays for the Memphis Hustle, but in terms of NBA representation on a consistent basis, I don't really think anyone has.
1: Um, I hate to throw this comparison out, but Jeremy Lin is a on a magnitude of comparing to Michael Jordan. He's, he's on the lower level of that spectrum. Uh, not anybody's going to have that uh, Asian American will put up that Stellar performance ever again. I don't think not for the next 10 years. I don't foresee it um, Actually, he is playing in China now uh, They shut him down for the season before the pandemic. So they do value their players They want to keep the uh, Jeremy Lin healthy and because the season doesn't matter anymore They choose to shut him down, but he represent the, the hope and dreams of every Every Asian, Chinese, Filipino, whatever, when you're in Asia, their little boys dream to play basketball. Uh, When you and I went to Taiwan, uh, we saw that court underneath the overpass. So funny thing is, Jeremy Lin with his teammate David Lee actually went to Taiwan and played on court. And that was probably the best court that uh, Taipei has. Uh, It was like hidden, tucked away under the highway, which is really cool. Oh, I love that court. I I, we, I haven't had a chance
0: myself to go play, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about because we walk by it a lot. Uh, it is. It seems like the hub for kind of basketball players in the city, which is really neat. Um, I guess wrapping things up, are there any other things you want to say about the topic, Joe?
1: Uh, so, you know, I'm basically doing this project, being an awareness of, uh, Jeremy Lynn, He is not only a great basketball player in his with his limited ability. I don't want to put him down, but compared to the rest of the NBA field, he is a middle of the pack player. Um, to some people, he is a diamond dozen, but let's not forget about his accomplishment off the court, which is academic uh, career. Um, I mean, there's people struggling get into. CSN at this point and this guy got no problem getting on Harvard uh, carried uh, I believe we have a stat here he carried a 3.1 GPA when he was playing at Harvard and that's a tough GPA to carry especially you're going to Harvard and you are a uh, college basketball player the amount of time you spend studying and working out is you have to be you have to be sleeping like two hours a day maybe and you know he he does a lot for uh, his uh, alma mater, which is Harvard. He donated one million dollars, and most of that fund was earmarked into scholarships for the future athletes. Um, I know a few football players at UNLV. Their scholarship money per month is uh, eleven hundred and fifty dollars, which after rent they basically have $500 for the month to spend, and that's not a lot, especially the way the football player eats. Uh, volleyball player, the women's volleyball team, gets about 1250 because they have a, a smaller team, but they're not revenue-generating. So Jeremy Lin decided to donate a $1 million just to help out the future uh, athletes that that want to uh, explore their dream. And he is a very important figure to the Chinese and Taiwanese american community because he represent the hopes and dream is not just go to school become a doctor become a lawyer um there are other options um the chinese people are usually pretty timid when it comes to spotlight like that but i believe the times are changing and more and more chinese americans are are excelling in different fields it's not just being a lawyer and doctor there are hospitality politics and we start seeing a lot more of that and he brings a lot of awareness to ivy league basketball before the vicinity and the harvard i think the biggest thing was well when princeton made it to the sweet 16 because they were running a backdoor cuts and that was faded away real quick but now he's definitely uh brought uh, awareness to the ivy league and other than that and I think Jeremy Lin is one of the probably the my favorite players to watch. And everybody loves to lo- lo- watch Steph Curry, which I, I love a guy who can shoot three just as much as the next guy. But I personally enjoy a little underdog story like Jeremy Lin. That's all.
0: Yeah. And uh, without a doubt, Jeremy Lin is a part of NBA history. I mean, that stretch of games, I think viewership was up like 70%. When absolutely Jeremy Lin was doing through stuff so he'll he, he always be a piece of certainly like my childhood or young adulthood i should say and i'm sure like everybody my age just knows about it because it was the biggest thing going around um but that's gonna do it for today's episode guys um as you guys probably know obviously i do my other channel blue milk boys gaming so if you're into pop culture stuff you can go ahead and check that out do you need any plug you need to plug anything joe
1: uh, no, I don't think I have anything to plug except uh, Spencer and I will be uh, going to trying to go to Taiwan this winter time if the pandemic ever lifts. And uh, we got uh, Shangri La, the hotel we stayed at, it's a five star resort. They always treated us well, and I get the uh, different upgrades and perks with the American Express Platinum Travel. And Spencer can attest to that firsthand. That, breakfast buffet is ridiculous we have so much food every single day
0: i know it's insane uh but the food is just so good it's hard to stay away
1: yeah i'm uh, I'm also working on uh, a eva air which is the the airline we fly to taiwan most of the time and we are trying to launch from san francisco to taipei on a br7 flight which is a very, very cool flight because it's a Hello Kitty theme. Um, Last time I took that flight, I had my friends that are mothers or dads texting me say, steal every Hello Kitty stuff you can find on a flight. I'm I'm not going to do that, but I'll buy you some stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And uh, just like last time, guys, if Joe and I do end up traveling, it'll be uh, on my Blue Mo Boys Gaming channel like it was. Uh, like before so if you guys are interested in travel videos and all that kind of stuff we got you covered uh but that's going to do it for today's episode guys thank you so much for listening and we will catch you next time
1: see you guys later